0: Hello and welcome to the Root Pedersen podcast series on the circular economy. My name is Kevin Bradley. And I am a senior advisor at Root Pedersen Public Affairs, following all things related to the EU agenda with respect to natural resources, the circular economy. Over the past two years, we have been examining the steps and measures the EU is taking to decarbonize its economy, to make it greener and more circular. Despite significant challenges posed by the coronavirus pandemic and more recently the Russia Ukraine war, the European Commission has continued to drive this ambitious agenda and indeed further add to it with measures to improve overall economic resilience. Towards the end of 2022, the European Commission published a further measure foreseen in its 2020 Circular Economy Action Plan, a proposal for the revision of the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive. In it, the Commission is seeking to address what it calls perceived weaknesses in the current approach to packaging waste at EU level, for instance, including greater efforts to encourage reusable packaging or reuse systems, re-recycled content for plastics used in packaging and greater efforts to prevent packaging or packaging waste in the first place. Now, packaging is something that evokes many kinds of emotions and responses from people. Yet without it, it would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to sustain global food and good supply as well as value chains. Packaging is what gets a product to the consumer intact and safe. Joining me today to unwrap some of the issues and challenges around the packaging packaging waste regulation is Adeline Farley, Secretary General of the European Glass Packaging Sector Association, FEVE. Adeline has been Secretary General of FEVE since 2008 and prior to that she served as Communications Director for Europa Bio the European Biotechnology Industry Association in Brussels. She has also held positions in both the European Commission and the European Parliament. An Irish national, Adeline studied politics and Spanish before moving to Brussels in the early 90s. Adeline, good morning. You're very welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking the time to talk to us today on this important proposal by the European Commission.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I'm very pleased to be here and thank you for the invitation.
0: Great. If I could start with a very general question, there's been a very mixed reaction from stakeholders to the commission proposal. What is the glass container industry's overall perspective on the proposal?
1: Well, first of all, to say we as a glass sector, so I'm representing FEVE, which is representing the producers of glass packagings, so 90% of all glass producers in producing glass in Europe. And we... In general, our industry welcomes the the commission's proposal and we welcome the ambition to tackle packaging waste because, I mean, we all know that packaging waste has been growing and growing and growing. And so there is an an issue of how do we actually reduce this waste and littering of packaging that's been built up. So the ambition is laudable. But of course, as you said, with, with all proposals, I mean, some things are very, very good, but there's other measures that are proposed that we are very, very concerned about. So we welcome, first of all, that the proposals sets out to make sure that packaging all packaging will be recyclable and reusable by 2030 but there are maybe there's a number of measures and hopefully we can go into them but i want to just pick two areas where we think we're very concerned about and not a lot of people are talking about these two things so i'd like to kind of start with them the first is the proposal proposes to put a cap on packaging production in Europe. So they want to have reduction targets of 5% from a 2018 baseline of packaging put in the market by 2030, 10% by 2035, and 15% by 2040. And they are crafted as packaging waste reduction targets. And I think everybody can agree that's a laudable aim. But what it really means, packaging waste reduction targets is a proxy for the amount of packaging put in the market. And it would mean that, for example, by 2030, you would, the business as usual scenario, it really means 5% reduction really means actually in real terms, a 20% reduction of packaging put in the market. So, You know, this is very problematic because if you have companies looking for primary packaging, such as the case for the customers we're servicing, so the wine, spirits, beer, food sector, if you need to package liquids in a primary packaging, you know, if you limit the amount of packaging you can put on the market, you're also limiting the customers' access to packaging for their products. And so you're limiting growth, actually, in the customer, in our customer sectors. And so this is something that is not address at all, actually, for the moment, any of the discussions that we were having in Brussels or in the capitals. And we'd like to try to draw people's attention to how will this cap on production essentially affect all the sectors and the food and agricultural sectors, the perfumery, the pharma sectors that are needing packaging to pack their products. So that's the first thing. But even if, you, even if you accept that there has to be some reduction targets, the commission proposals are basically placing those targets as an overall target. And so for glass in particular, we're very concerned because we know from the commission's impact assessment that applying an overall target means that you can meet the targets, a customer can meet the targets by simply shifting from heavier but fully circular like glass to lighter and more difficult to recycle materials like plastic. And that is exactly what the impact assessment of the commission is showing, is that in applying these reduction targets, the only material sector that will grow by 2030 is the plastic sector. Every other sector, wood, glass, paper, metals, will all see a reduction in the amount of production that they can have. So if you do have reduction targets and you can question that, then they should be at least material-specific, so that all packaging materials, individually, equally and fairly to waste reduction. So that's I'd say that one of the major problems we have with this. The second issue is the whole area of packaging minimization. So Try to avoid putting additional packaging that's not necessary onto the market, which, again, is a very laudable objective and ambition. But what it means in essence is that packaging will no longer be able to fulfill its brand differentiation, its marketing ability, if it adds weight. So... For a glass bottle, for example, if you have embossing on the glass bottle, that adds weight. There's a question as to whether that will be allowed in the future to be put on the market. Because what the commission's proposal is doing is it's saying we have a whole series of performance criteria for packaging. So a packaging needs to protect the product. It needs to work in a logistic system. Just basic functionalities of packaging. And today we have marketing and consumer acceptance as two other functionalities that are allowed today when you put packaging on the market. And what the Commission's proposal is doing is it's saying we're no longer allowing those two performance criteria to be recognised in EU legislation. We're going to delete those performance criteria. And so therefore, it essentially means that if you put a product on the market, you will have a very simple standardizably design in order to ensure that you are using the minimum amount of material put on the market. And this for us is detrimental for all the customers that we serve. I mean, we serve industries that are heavily using, first of all, very big exporters. But a lot of the products that we work with, the glass really adds value. You can think of perfumes, you can think of champagne, wine, spirits. And so if the marketing dimension is no longer allowed in a packaging, if it adds weight, then the value that glass can bring to these products is really under threat and the product presentation is key to a brand's identity we think this is going to affect on branding and to be for products to be really able to stand out in the shelves and differentiate themselves from others
0: right okay i wanted just to clarify one thing with you when you say on the packaging reduction the five percent cut is that five percent weight are we talking weight here Wait, it? okay, fine, because that yeah. that would make that would make sense, and I could see your point about you know that could accelerate a shift in terms of materials from heavy to light.
1: It should be actually, it's not a waste reduction, it's a weight reduction.
0: A weight reduction, mm-hmm. right? I get it. Um, the second issue, I assume that brand owner organizations are also concerned about this because they often say that packaging is the is the silent marketeer. It's the thing that, the way it's packaged, it's the thing that attracts the Absolutely. customer to it. Yeah. So if you have everything standardized and all looking the same, how will you be able to differentiate between, you know, for consumer choice or even for, in terms of products?
1: I mean, we're in Belgium. It's the home of all the beers. I mean, can you imagine going to a a supermarket and faced with this array of all different beer brands and all looking the same, they're all dressed the same? the weight of a, of a packaging, for glass anyway, is as a result of the design, the shape and the decoration. So, you know, I mean, the very standard plain bottle, like a milk bottle, for example. Yeah, OK, that's the simplest form and the simplest. And also you can have the, the lightest weight. But the minute you have a square bottle, for example, that's heavier because it's square. And so you could be faced in the future in front of authorities saying that's not allowed on the market because it adds weight.
0: Right. Well, I'll just make a final comment on this and just say that I would expect expect that the owners of chateauneuf de pape will be on the phone to the Elysee Palace to complain about this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And no, um, we're working very closely with the wine sector and the spirit sector and also the perfumery uh, sector as well to to make these points.
0: That's a, a good start, I think, to our, our discussion. Let's move on to something also that's been contentious, uh, mandatory reuse targets. I mean, it was flagged beforehand. I mean, we kind of knew that there was some measure coming in this area. But I think what, what has appeared is seems a little bit severe in the sense that it's actually also forcing economic operators, brand owners across a wide range of their product portfolios to now look at reuse systems. What's your understanding about this. I mean, the impression being given is that reuse is better than recycling, but we all know that it's not always the case. Sometimes recycling is better, and life cycle analyses have, have shown this to be the case. It depends on the system, depends on the product.
1: No, you're you're absolutely right. The proposal that the Commission has made is a quite revolutionary proposal, because indeed it's the first time they've introduced mandatory reuse targets. For glass, we welcome reuse targets. I mean, glass is already reusable for years. We have already, I think, 20 percent of soft drinks and mineral water and beer is today packed in reusable glass. So we welcome that. But we also recognize that the reuse system is a huge burden on our customers. I mean, they have to put in place massive reverse logistics system at a huge cost. And I know that the soft drink sector, they estimate it's something like 18 billion euro a cost to just meet the targets of 25%. So I think that we do have to understand, you know, it's not the glass industry that can say to you. Kevin okay you need to support reuse targets for different sectors we need to support our customers in that it's clear that for products that have to travel distances reuse is not certainly the best system and we need to make the point that for certain products local products short distances products that have high turnover number of trips then it can make sense and it does make sense I mean as I said the glass industry has been doing that with customers very successfully so it can work but to apply that then willy-nilly to all different products would actually end up you know, causing more environmental problems because to try to transport back a packaging from hundreds and hundreds of kilometers away just to have it reused, it defeats the purpose of the environmental benefit. And so you're absolutely right. LCA will show you that reuse is not de facto better in all cases. Recycling the product is often much better. Recycling is also a waste reduction option and reuse is not the only waste reduction option.
0: Right. Okay. Well, again, again, you've added in a couple of important elements there. I'm taking two words here. I think flexibility is what we're probably needed and also perhaps some criteria. You've touched on recycling, started with looking at the Eurostaff figures for packaging waste. Uh, that latest report from them showed that the recycling rate for packaging waste had reached sixty-four point four percent. And the overall recovery rate, because we have a recovery target as well within the packaging existing packaging packaging waste directive, had reached 80%. All member states bar a few were meeting the fifty-five percent overall 2018 recycling target. Glass, your own material, reached seventy-six percent, I think the highest. So you know, you're looking at these facts, and then you're thinking, okay, this is a very ambitious proposal. So what What's been going wrong? Why isn't recycling being sort of acknowledged as being as having performed well? And if there are problems with recycling, which the commission alleges there are, why aren't they being addressed?
1: Thank you, by the way, Kevin, for pointing out that glass is the best performer. So I didn't have to do that myself. Glass is, for well, many, many years we've been recycling glass. And in fact, you know, re- using recycled glass in our production has a huge benefit, not only for the environment, but also it lowers considerably our CO2 emissions. And we've been working actually with all our partners from the value chain, so the municipalities, city, but also brand owners, producers, to basically we have a voluntary objective to get 90% of all glass put on the market to be collected by 2030. And so that we have even greater levels of recycling in the, in the future. Because glass is what we call a permanent material, and we share that quality with metals as well, where you can infinitely recycled glass over and over again without it ever losing its characteristics. So it really lends itself to being used in a a packaging packaging context because those materials can, can continually go back into a closed loop. The proposal is very interesting in terms of the recyclability performance grades because not all recycling is the same. I mean, if you're using a permanent material that is able to be recycled over and over again, that's a different situation than if you're using a material that has difficulty to be recycled back into food grade packaging and maybe has to go into another application. So the proposal introduces these recyclability performance grades. And so that is a very, very welcome development. And also this idea of design for recycling guidelines for each material. So we really welcome those two two elements. But one of the things that we think should be given more importance is that at the top grade, so the A grade, we're kind of disappointed that it didn't recognize closed loop recycling. Because obviously a closed loop is really the way to deliver on a circular packaging. And in the leaked draft, by the way, it did actually refer to closed loop recycling as as the top grade. So if your packaging can achieve that, then you get the top grade. And by definition, then you would get lower EPR fees. So we're disappointed in that and we're actually trying to make the point that we would like to see, you know, a quality sort of performance being added to the top grade of 95% recycling grade A.
0: Right, right. I get you. Yes, I had seen the grading system and I thought that was interesting that they were sort of thinking like that. What about collection and sorting? Because other organisations have been pointing to that as a way to also improve or increase recycling rates. In other words, member states should do more to collect more of the material in order to be able to recycle more.
1: Yeah, there is probably a bit more to be done in the proposal to for more separate collections because obviously the better collection systems, the more quality collection systems, the better the material you get from those systems and then the more of that material that you can actually recycle back into into other packaging. So it's a key component and it's not probably addressed enough. It's the waste framework directive that is deciding or, or at least setting the rules for separate collections. So we do want to basically get the regulation to emphasize a bit more the importance of separate collection as the the prerequisite, actually, to to guaranteeing very high quality recycling processes. And that's not exactly the case today.
0: Okay, let's move on to the idea of deposit return systems. Obviously, some countries, Germany, for instance, and other member states have DRS systems in place, but very often for very specific systems or for specific types of packaging.
1: Well, we're very happy that glass is not included in the mandatory DRS so that's one of one of the uh, elements of the proposal that we that we like maybe just to say Kevin because when people talk about DRS Very often they're thinking of deposit return systems for reuse systems. They're thinking the deposit is basically linked to reusable packaging. Here the DRS is not about reusable packaging, it's about single use packaging. And so it basically another collection system for recycling. So today, you know, for glass, I mean, bottle banks and curbside is the collection system that we are using, that our consumers are using, and that is run by the extended producer responsibility schemes as part of the waste waste management, waste collection systems run by cities and municipalities across Europe. And that works very, very well for glass. I mean, you can put perfume in glass bottles, you put cosmetics, you can put detergent if you want, or wine, and you can collect all together and recycle it. And it'll always be food grade quality when it comes out of that recycling system. So for us, it just doesn't make sense. It's just another collection for recycling system, and there's no value added for glass. And in fact, in the countries that have DRS across Europe, I mean, there's, there's only, I think there's six countries now who have a DRS in Europe that includes glass. And basically, you know, they they don't have the highest glass collection rate because a a DRS for, for recycling only covers some of the products put on the market. So in the case of glass, it would only cover maybe water or beer or soft drinks and leave out all the jams and the sauces and the cosmetics and everything else. And so that glass has to be collected anyway. And you're just basically creating two parallel systems to do the same thing. So for glass, that's why, and we've made that point to the Commission, and that's why we welcome the fact that they have taken that into consideration. But for plastic, it can make sense.
0: Right. Okay, I get you. In fact, it'll be interesting to see how, if it materialises and the member states take it up, how the member states that do take it up, whether those that are very well established and good, household collection, etc., how that might, could potentially interfere with that. Let's Turn to this idea of labelling of packaging to make it easier for consumers to recycle packaging. They're proposing some idea of harmonised labelling requirements, the idea being to give consumers a clear indication of how and where the package can be recycled. What's your perspective on the value added of labelling?
1: Well, I think for glass, most consumers know that, you know, where to put the glass or what to do with the glass. I mean, we did a survey recently which asked several, several questions to consumers and said 82% of consumers say that they have a good understanding on what and how to recycle and trust that glass is effectively recycled. So I think that it's not going to make a huge difference to glass. We, I mean, having a label on your packaging and the same label on the container that you need to put that packaging in, you know, maybe it is required for other materials. And even for glass, it might be helpful for us too because, say ceramics. Ceramics is a contaminant in the glass recycling. So, I mean, if consumers can say, okay, the ceramics, that doesn't have a glass recycling label, so it can't go into the glass bin. And what we need to avoid for the packaging sector and for our customers is having that fragmentation. So you can imagine if you have 27 countries saying, I want this label and I want you to put it into this color of bin. And, you know, it's all different systems. And this, by the way, this is another revolution about this proposal from the Commission. It's a regulation and not a directive. So it will be directly applicable in all countries across Europe. So maybe it's maybe welcome to try to harmonize that system so that, you know, no matter where you are, whether you're in Estonia, whether you're in Ireland, whether you're in Germany, whether you're in Spain, we all speak the same language.
0: Well, listen, this has been quite a, an interesting discussion. I'm going to just end by asking you in a very general way, at this stage, do you think it will achieve the expected hi- expected impacts highlighted by the Commission?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the proposal, as I said, is very revolutionary. It introduces a lot of new things. It's First of all, it's a regulation. So we will avoid this fragmentation of the market. And we would welcome that for sure, so that we, have, we don't have different rules across different countries. I think that's quite important. So I think general the industry is welcoming the fact that it's a regulation will also help the circular economy as long as there's some flexibility given in that. And it's not just applied like a blanket across all sectors without taking into account of basically the markets that these sectors operate in but that will help it will also help to you know if we want to introduce packaging reduction targets we should start thinking and this is where I think that it may not push enough the circular economy because the circular economy has to work for the economy as well and so we need to make sure that we have enough packaging to go around to be able to pack all the products that our great customers are delivering and developing every every single day and so I think that there will have to be you know a relook at how functional is this proposal going to be to the economy in general and to the needs of the industries using packaging and I think that is otherwise it'll be a failure because you're just restricting the market for you're not really achieving you know a circular economy and so I think that there's quite a lot of measures and issues new measures and issues that that would help the fact that all packaging needs to be recyclable and reusable by 2030 and at scale by a, a, a little bit later. I mean, this is very important. I think this will definitely ensure and I think it's important for packaging, especially the packaging, to be able to be circular and to be able to to go, to be used more times in a closed loop system, whether it's recycling, whether it's reuse. These are all w- welcome if we want to, because we have to. We can't keep, you know, doing things the way we've always been doing things. We need to make a change to our sort of as usual scenario. But I think also that the Waste reduction target is very ambitious, it's very laudable but doesn't sufficiently take into account that recycling is also a waste reduction measure. And I think this is a mistake. There's huge investments made by all, I mean, not just the glass industry, but all companies to try to make sure that they're not just putting their packaging waste into landfill or into incineration. They are making huge efforts to try to bring those products, keep those products alive in our economy, productive in our economy. And so the proposal should not dismiss as much as it is doing today, this recycling solution. So in general, I think it, needs to have some modifications but I think it will deliver a circular economy for packaging and I think by 2030 we should have our packaging will achieve the goal of being either reusable or recyclable.
0: All right. Well, I think, as you say, the long-term goal is, or the destination is clear, but uh, we need to sort out the route. It's a little bit like looking at Google and working out your directions. What's good for the economy? What's good for society? What's good for the environment in terms of of how we get to this destination? And we
1: also have to defend our packaging as well. You know, it's not just a pretty face, even though I think for Glass, we think we are a pretty face. I mean, we seriously have to defend design. We absolutely have to defend the, the packaging design and innovative, creative packaging designs. And so, by the way, I'd like to just mention that we have a website called the Glass Hallmark website,
0: Okay, great. Adeline, many, many thanks for giving us your time this morning and also sharing your perspectives and concerns regarding the packaging, packaging waste regulation proposal. I will take the opportunity to wish you and the glass container sector well, given the challenges and issues that you've outlined. And I hope that in your discussions with the institutions as they themselves grapple with this proposal now and in the coming months, that uh, the outcome will be something which will be going in the right direction, but pragmatic at the end, taking account of the issues that you've mentioned. So thank well, you again. And we wishing you a good day from us. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Kevin. It was a pleasure.